We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is it possible to pair an elite quarterback in your best ball draft with a hyper-fragile approach at running back and actually have a successful team? Is that possible? Can we break some of Sean Siegel's rules and create a successful build over at Underdog or over at the FFPC, wherever you are playing in your best ball leagues in 2023? The 2023 underdog workshop does continue from sean siegel we're going to look through a piece that was up on rotaviz.com this past week and get some of the the author himself sean's thoughts on what he learned diving into some of the data and the rotaviz tools as always if you are interested in using the tools over at rotaviz.com you can use the code rv radio 2023 at checkout to get yourself a 10 percent discount while signing up for a one-year rotaviz pass you'll get access to all of the content and tools up on the website the article we discussed today will also be linked in today's show notes with sean into wednesday into the second show of the week how are you feeling as the the season inches ever closer it feels like a long way away but it also feels like the super bowl was like time time's gone pretty fast here 2023 has been a fast year it's been a fun year we really enjoyed the nfl draft really enjoying all these best ball leagues that are going on right now and column i think that this is the most fun that i've had i mentioned to you i believe that this season gives us a lot of interesting questions to answer from a best ball perspective it's just been so much fun to write these workshop articles and we're going to have so many more of them obviously blair's doing some great best ball work for us connor and michael always have some great stuff out so look for more from them but we started out last week we talked about elite qb and the five concepts that you need to execute if you want to make these elite qb builds work and then this week i wanted to ask the question well what if we don't follow those guidelines what if we break the rules and try and combine maybe a couple of uphill battle types of strategy so you think about elite qb one of the things that i wanted to mention for 
readers was to give a little bit of a feel. And, and Michael Dudner did a great job of this in his article looking at should we chase QBs up the draft board or has elite QB jumped the shark? Make sure you check that out. But you look at last season and there are a couple of different ways that you can break it. If you look at our sort of tracking info from last season, Kyler Murray was in that elite QB range for the vast majority of the season. I've gone ahead and put him into the window here because his final ADP evidently slid down enough. I'm not exactly sure when that would have happened, but you can look at the top four or you can look at the top five. And you have Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes really hitting. You have Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson really missing with Jackson as injury with Herbert. It's disappointment. And you can say part of that in all likelihood, the injury to Keaton Allen, who came back and played well late. But then you look at the window QBs and you have Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow really hitting at the front of the window. You have the really sad injury to Trey Lance, his advance rate extremely low. And then at the back of the window, you have Fields and Tua and Trevor Lawrence, all three of those guys really high. So there were ways to win from both approaches last year. And this season, I think, is especially fun because the breakout and breakout sort of slash hybrid or plus hybrid QB situation in terms of where do we find the cheap hybrid QBs? What's at the very end of drafts? And that opens up a lot to you. Now, the community is saying that these guys have a huge amount of risk. We want to be aware of that because as you're building out an entire best ball team, you don't want to go through that entire process and then destroy it by <laughs> putting QB landmines onto it late. We know that historically that has not worked. And yet at the same time, we also know that there are going to be a lot of things about the past that are not directly predictive of the future and that the individual league winning outcomes often come as a surprise or else they'd be priced differently. It wouldn't be league winning. So we look back at this and I guess the first question for you, before we get into this idea, can we go elite QB with hyper fragile? What do you think about these current window QBs? You have Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson at the front end of the window. You have guys like Aaron Rodgers, Geno Smith, and Jared Goff toward the back end of the window. You have, frankly, a little bit surprising prices on Dak Prescott and Tua. And yet my conclusion is that from a big picture perspective, and not that there aren't some individual options that people are going to use, and we still want to be drafting in this window, but that these guys maybe look a little bit more like the 2022 busts so if you're thinking bust risk and more floor choices, you know, that part might be one of the catalysts to push you off of the QB window this season or to push down your percentage of teams that are window QB-based teams. Yeah, there's a couple of quarterbacks in that list that you named out where you can see like you know an ascending upside. There's other quarterbacks in it where, you know... <sighs> And I'll just name them out. For example, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Dak Prescott, Sean Watson. I don't see as much upside in drafting those guys as the likes of a Trevor Lawrence and Anthony Richardson, even because of the discounted price you're getting and a Jared Goff or a Daniel Jones. But the two guys that really stand out for me, Sean, in the window from the, or there's three names, sorry, that stand out. It is. Trevor Lawrence, Anthony Richardson, and and Tua. They're the three that I think we could get a situation where Trevor Lawrence continues to ascend. 
very, very impressive. And the majority of the second half of last season, we get Anthony Richardson coming into the league. Can he come in and instantly have that impact? And, you know, has he been dramatically underpriced? Even though he has QB 10 coming in as a rookie, is that something that when we look back in 12 months, we'll be saying, like, how did that happen? And the other one is, too, obviously we have the fear with his health, the concussions, but then we're also looking at the weapons that he has. And and that feels like, uh, you know, if we didn't have the health concerns, he, he would be much higher than he is in terms of ADP. So the, they're the three guys in the window standing out for me. And I do think there's the upside for those guys to be in the elite tier next season as we enter draft season. They're kind of the guys that are standing out for me is who could make that jump. The rest of them feel like, you know, if Aaron Rodgers is another huge season, he's still going to be you know in that quarterback 12 to 15 range next year based on his, his age and things like that. Same with Kirk Cousins. So, would you agree with that, or, or is there any other names that are standing out for you specifically? Yeah, I think we're on the same page. I do like that you're bringing some Anthony Richardson bandwagon hype. We have not necessarily done a lot of that on the show. It's it's fun to to hear you mention that name. Very controversial and interesting one there. You do have to love the landing spot. You have to love the coaching staff and what they will do for him. Obviously, you have to love the athleticism. We'll see if he runs enough to be a star there. No, I think you've described that very accurately. The the big thing I'm hoping is that Anthony Richardson is better than 2022 Matt Ryan. I'm really hoping that. I I don't think that you have to worry too much about (laughs) that one, at least from a fantasy perspective. So, Colin, then we look back to the elite guys and how we want to build this. One of the things that I discuss in the article is that last year we had this huge gap between how they scored in isolation and how they scored with their wide receiver one. And that if you are going to take the risk and you're going to pay that price on the QB one, then you almost certainly need to have it with the wide receiver one. For me, the way that this pays off is that both guys hit and you get that combined advance rate otherwise you're just simply taking too much risk for what the scoring level versus the price is based on the way that adp is set up right now in most cases that's going to mean the receiver in the first round and then coming back with the qb in round two or perhaps if we see adp continue to evolve that qb in round three But Colin, the thing that we noted before, and I think makes this so potentially fun, is that round three is very favorable for the running back. It's not favorable for the wide receiver. And so you can easily get into a situation where you have gone wide receiver QB, you've taken that running back in round three, and then if you don't like your wide receiver options in rounds four and five, then perhaps you move to running backs there. So we're wide receiver QB, running back time three. Those are the first five rounds. And that would really be kind of the definition of this approach. When I'm looking at hyperfragile, it's mostly looking at having three running backs within that running back one, running back two tier, three running backs in the first five rounds. I mean, you can make an argument that with the falling prices that maybe you could even consider guys like a Damian Pierce or you know players that we like, such as DeAndre Swift, maybe a Dalvin Cook or a Cam Akers, maybe an Alexander Madison. I mean, guys, 
even into rounds six and seven, that those can be sort of modified anchor RBs. And if they can be considered modified anchor, then they would also be part of a hyperfragile if you have three of those guys. We're really looking at it as trying to make sure that these running backs are star running backs who are field tilters. We want to draft three of them. We want to get all three of them at a big discount to their likely scoring level. And we want all three of them to stay healthy and hit to give us a really high score at the running back one position, at the running back two position, and then create a really high likelihood that you will also then have that running back filling the flex with a point total that's above the level that a wide receiver can reasonably score in this scoring format. So there are a variety of things then to unpack. And Colin, the first one is that we, if we look at this approach, and not necessarily that wide receiver one early, but simply the elite QB plus the three running backs, the last two years, you pull up the underdog roster construction explorer, you see a 13% playoff advance rate and semifinal and final advance rates that are also below average. That's kind of the starting point. Colin, that's the reason that we're getting these very wide receiver heavy drafts because running back heavy drafts have been very unsuccessful the last couple of years. Before we dive into then how we might execute it and why we might execute it, give me your thoughts on the last couple of seasons and how this hasn't worked and kind of what that brings up for you, how it fits into zero RB. What are you thinking when you see that result? I'm not hugely surprised, Sean, based on uh, particularly in the way that we're going to be drafting, leaning away from trying to have three running backs through those four six rounds. The hyper-fragile approach has been something that we have done last year as well in those drafts and in, in past years, and we've done it a few times this year as well. But it gets really tricky when you're squeezing in that elite quarterback then to you know, rather than have yourself a two wide receiver three running back build for example i think you're really starting to squeeze what you i guess squeeze all the juice out of the the fruit at that particular point um so i i think leaning away from the quarterback one if you're in the hyper fragile and i guess that's kind of what we're, we're looking to discuss here but i think it's just the rest of your draft is going to be very, very hard to put the pieces into place to, to try and balance out what you've started off with. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I think that's right. But I also think that we want to make sure that we're aware of the specific 
results that created that situation. So we pull up the overall player advance and the underdog advance rate explorer, separate from the roster construction explorer. And we look at the running back position from last season, Josh Jacobs at 46% advance. That's not a surprise. Josh Jacobs was the guy during the fantasy regular season last year. And that came from an ADP of 71. And so we're outside the normal range for a zero RB stud result. Other backs that we have there at the top, you get Tony Pollard, who had an ADP of 83. You have Miles Sanders, who for most of the season, he fell off at the end, but for most of the season was almost in that Josh Jacobs kind of category. He was third in running back advance, Jamal Williams fourth, and then some other names not too far below Ramondre Stevenson and Ken Walker. The really big seasons, you look at the points added and Christian McCaffrey at 229, Austin Eckler at 239. Those guys, I believe, second and third in points added last season. And yet, because of the prices, they finish well down the list. Now, their advanced rates are still good. They're still about 20%. You will not just live with it, but be excited with those returns. Austin Eckler on Pat's overall winning team. We know that those top running backs can get the job done even in last season. But because we had so many finishes from that sort of round seven to round 10 range, some of them I would consider to be pure dead zone types of backs. Some of them I would consider to be zero RB profiles where we're perhaps not that surprised that they made the leap. But you get all of those results together and that's going to undermine the potential for rosters that were structured with running back early. So then your question is, if historically that's a little bit of an outlier, that's an unusual season, should we look at 2022 and just say, well, I mean, it's very clear that zero RB is the way to approach fantasy now. And the tension there is the fact that you and I believe that zero RB was always the way to approach it. The vast majority of the research that Rotoviz has published over the last decade would suggest that zero RB is the way to approach it. It would suggest that King Cap winning the regular season title and the million dollar prize with a zero RB team was the way to approach it. And that that was going to happen. That was inevitable that a zero RB team would come through and take one of those titles. And yet we want to be, I think, reluctant and maybe more skeptical than the crowd at just assuming, well, this season clinched it. This season proved it. Now we're going to see the results because last year was an unusual year. Like we don't want to take results from an unusual year and say that that proved what we want to do because that's that's not the way to go about it, right? You don't want it to be an unusual year that proves your thesis. And so we go back and we look at what now can be accomplished. And we pull up the win the flex tool. I mentioned that Connor did a great job with this last year, trying to help people understand why that third wide receiver in underdog was so crucial to understanding the format and we talked about that on the first show this week in the mfl 10 of death why the 231 format is so different from the 222 format and you have to keep that in mind and then even in half ppr what we're seeing with underdog is that it's a true 231 as opposed to the half ppr kind of neutering that we go through we pull up the adps we pull up the implied scoring by draft slot for this year 
and we see big gaps from the running backs to the wide receivers. One of the things I think is very interesting is that you get into even that early second round and you have Saquon Barkley and Jalen Waddell, they're right side by side. Jalen Waddell, we mentioned last week, is Blair's top pick for round two. Colin, I think he's your pick and my pick for the top selection in round two. And yet, not even necessarily considering the individual players, because again, this is just implied points for the position at the ADP, but you can put names to it and you can see that I mean, Saquon Barkley is projected in this half PPR format to outscore Jalen Waddle by 30 points. You're giving up a lot of points if you go for the wide receiver there. The thing that we've always emphasized with zero RB is not to chase the points. Don't let yourself get out of position and suddenly just simply draft a worse team than the guys who had the top five picks because you think the market is pushing you to do a certain thing. You want to make sure you react instead and build your own sort of super team, even if you've got to go in a different direction positionally. The interesting thing here, and the point that I make as it relates to running backs versus wide receivers, is that there are a variety of dynamics at play. And in the past, this element of not chasing the points and this element of not having overexposure to injury at running back overexposure to the position where you have fewer starters which is crucial and not being able to take advantage of the contingency based element of later round running backs if you're in full ppr and you're in an environment where you're getting these great prices on a zero rb approach which we've done in many cases one of the things i talked through here in the article is this evolution of ADP and the evolution of strategy over the last say eight years and how the previous seasons would create these moves. People would chase, people would lose because they're chasing and the necessity of seeing beyond just the last year, if we want to build the best possible approach. So for zero RB in most of these seasons, the different dynamics that were important pointed in the same direction. And that direction was draft wide receivers. This year, those dynamics are in conflict because there is a great argument for drafting running backs early. And I think that's what makes 2023 so interesting. Like, do you want to get wiped out by the avalanche? I just simply don't have wide receivers after round eight that I want to draft at all. And so if you go running back heavy early, you're going to get wiped out. You're not going to like your team. And yet we have to consider at least some portion of our portfolio leaning into this dynamic where if we have that 2016 season again, which is a combination of two things, it's a combination of a big ADP shift. And it's a combination of running backs in the dead zone, staying healthy and performing as big time RB1s. Because if you can add a bunch of those guys to the same team and they stay healthy, and then you do other smart things. So that's the other part of this article that we'll discuss in the future and is you know, part two of the piece that'll be up on the site this week. How do we then execute the rest of it to take advantage? Because you don't want to be right and still lose. So Colin, a couple of the other little things then we look at here is not just points. We look at value. We can see that that makes it a lot closer. That part is interesting. 
The other thing here, I have a couple of conjectures at the QB position, at the running back position. If we have the conjecture that seems maybe a little bit more tenuous, both from a logical perspective and historical perspective, but if those hit in concert, can we then build super teams that way and how should we go about it? It's hard to dive into the full nuance on the show, but it's been interesting kind of chatting through it with you. It's given me more ideas for future things to write. Certainly encourage people to get over there to the site and check it out if they want to go through that. But Colin, when you see these running back names early, you see the projections versus the wide receivers. Do you have guys that you are targeting? If we're looking at a hyper-fragile team, and one of the things that I always like to track as we look at the MFL 10 of death, right? That was our show on Monday. Two of the teams are very much this kind of hyper-fragile approach. You have Mike Beers, who was really sort of the initial advocate and author of the hyper-fragile type of philosophy. He has started with Bijan Robinson, Saquon Barkley, and Najee Harris. One of the things to note there is that all three of those guys are big backs. All three of those guys are receiving backs. When you talk about the legendary upside types of profiles, Mike is betting on three guys, all of whom could be the overall RB1. Now, Najee Harris hasn't demonstrated the type of talent that would be necessary to come through in that way. But prior to last season, Josh Jacobs hadn't really either. Right, so if you see a step forward in talent from Harris, you're talking about a potential for Mike to draft a team where he's got the RB1, RB2, RB3, and then even if his wide receiver selections aren't that great, are you going to be able to compete with that kind of team? Switch over and you look at Mike Clay, Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, and then in round four, Travis Etienne. The other sort of interesting thing on both of these teams is that they also do go for a player I would consider an elite QB. Now, one of the dynamics in this league was that the QBs fell. So they didn't have to pay those really bracing prices that you have to pay currently an underdog. Mike selected, I say both Mike's, Mike Beer selected Joe Burrow in round five. Mike Clay selected Justin Fields in the middle of round six. More palatable at those prices, but both of these drafters went the opposite way from what the field is doing. They go hyper-fragile. They take an elite QB. Looking at their teams, but then also looking beyond their teams, do you see the possibility of selecting three running backs in the first five rounds and feeling like you are now absolutely loaded? I think there's definitely a chance that you could draft three running backs in the first five rounds. The tricky part is, if we're phrasing it into today, is can you do that and have your elite quarterback as well and then say potentially an elite wide receiver in which order you do them and what i'm finding looking at the way adp and draft boards are playing out this year is there's a couple of names mainly in round three that i i like and, and stevenson and hall and i think it's no surprise to anyone that hall is kind of a, a priority target in that zone as we've talked about a lot of times once that kind of chris olave Dante smith um t higgins group goes you're into Brees hall really being the the main target at that point the part that i find that may be tricky is although we do like saquon barkley for example it's gonna be very hard to have a team where you're pairing saquon barkley with Brees hall it's gonna be very hard to have a team where you're probably uh, maybe not as hard to have maybe jonathan taylor paired with Brees hall but what you're really looking at is the players that i'm liking and those first three rounds are going to be 
one of the running backs in round one which is Eckler McCaffrey or, or Robinson and then the two running backs that I'm liking in round two are Taylor and Barkley and then in round three it's Hall and Stevenson and it's really a case that the draft is going to have to fall perfect for me to draft three running backs out of the gate that are those specific three round four then there's Walker and Gibbs that you would be that I'd be interested in but as as well just like other years where there would have been maybe a little bit more wide receivers getting or sorry running backs getting pushed up into that range I think it's gonna be hard to pair the ones that I am really actively looking to get but I also think that in that round three and four I do see drafts that will potentially be wide receiver wide receiver running back running back starts and then seeing where you go from that particular point forward so there's no doubt Sean I think we're going to and we'll do it just to to try it out in a few of these drafts as well. But you know, Dobbins ends in the fifth. But there is there's a a limited amount of options for running backs that I'm actively going to try and draft. And um, getting three in the first five rounds maybe. I think it's a challenge I'm willing to accept, but I think it'll be tricky to get those names all paired up together. It is tricky to get the main guys all on the one team. Certainly tricky to do it with the elite QB as well. But I love the things that you mentioned there. Jonathan Taylor is undervalued by a full round. So I can't figure out why Jonathan Taylor has gone into the you know the mid second round. No, I it makes, I don't, I it makes absolutely it. no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. The the enthusiasm for Anthony Richardson too, I think the most likely thing there is that Richardson is good enough that defenses have to account for him and it completely unlocks Taylor to go back to being the overall running back one. The concern with Taylor last year was, should he be the 101? Will he be healthy for the start of the season? Has he any offensive linemen that are going to be healthy? You know, we're in a situation then where he's over the last couple of years played with, you know, Carson Wentz. He's played with uh, Matt Ryan. You know, he's played just against like completely stacked boxes from the defense who are not having to really plan for anything else. And, we're getting a little bit of a, a reduction in price. It, it, pieces aren't going together for me. It feels like there was a point last year, Sean, where we started to tout Derrick Henry, uh, that Derrick Henry was being under, <laughs> underpriced at that price. But this year we have Jonathan Taylor being underpriced at the same price, which is baffling. And Derrick Henry was undervalued. He was. He was, but he also was finally uh, picked a little bit last year and it hit for us. But it's much easier to make the case for Jonathan Taylor. It's more fun to make the case for Taylor uh, it's absurd. Jonathan right? Taylor's so, 24 years old. I think there's a slight difference. <laughs> well, and he's the best pure running back in the NFL. So if you get that in the second round, the, the tricky part is just that that is the range where you're trying to get a CD Lamb, even though Lamb, you know, mostly first round. It's the range you're trying to get Garrett Wilson and Jalen Waddle to pass up on those two guys who are so perfect for structural fits. That part is difficult. But Jonathan Taylor, very easy. And to start running back, running back, if you've gotten Eckler, McCaffrey, or Bijan there, I think you have to like that. You mentioned Holland Stevenson in round three. The tricky part is how do you price rounds four and five? Because you're not getting the full legendary upside profile there. You're not getting the size. You're not getting the workload and in some cases you're not getting size or receiving when yeah, you look receiving's at a big concern in that range 
Yeah, you look at J.K. Dobbins, who might be the most explosive running back in the NFL. Hard to see where the receptions are going to come from. You look at Kenneth Walker with Charbonnet drafted behind him and how that offense works. It's difficult to see the receptions there. You look at Travis Etienne with Bigsby now in on top of some of those other guys and the way that offense runs, it's hard to see the receptions there. At the same time, with Etienne and Gibbs and Dobbins, you're getting kind of this Aaron Jones type of profile. And the reason that Jones has fallen is that people are now skeptical of the offense with Jordan Love there, whereas the Jaguars offense, that surprisingly dynamic Seahawks offense with a rejuvenated Geno Smith and certainly the Ravens offense, we expect those offenses to move the ball and score points. You throw Jameer Gibbs in there. You have a lot of names of players who are smaller but extremely fast and could outscore what you might consider the median touchdown level by a lot. Not just beat it, but there are scenarios in place where those guys could annihilate their touchdown projections because they are so talented. So if they fall into any receptions, either overall or at the right time, you think about someone like Raheem Mostert who – basically doubles his career high in week 17 last year you put together these guys stacked together on teams where the amount of talent you have at the running back position is very unique because in prior seasons you would have had to draft that aaron jones type of profile at the two three turn now you can get it in the middle of round five the very least you can get it in the middle of late round four players like gibbs like walker like dobbins it's trickier with etn because both receptions and overall volume are a question mark and yet etn if we got to the end of the season and people were saying i mean he's the new most talented running back in football if eckler falls off a little bit as he gets older and maybe has a less comfortable fit with the chargers i don't think that's going to happen but possible if christian mccaffrey continues to be dinged up in the lower body and it's a little bit of an awkward fit going forward with the 49ers I don't think that's going to happen but it's possible if Bijan has some struggles in this Falcons offense where there are always question marks around Arthur Smith if Barkley doesn't take another step forward in his sort of post-hype bounce back portion of his career after the injuries and all of that it opens the possibility for someone to step forward and be the new name Travis Etienne is so incredibly talented that that is a possibility there. Does that wipe out the volume profile? Perhaps, because again, we really want this amount of talent. So you look at round four, you look at round five, the speed and talent these backs bring to the table. Again, a unique and fun part of drafting in 2023. Yeah, definitely. And I I think it's going to be interesting. Again, I mentioned on the previous show getting the itch to do some of these listener drafts this weekend but we'll be we, we almost sean jumped in on monday and did ourselves a, an underdog draft we held off but we're going to have a lot more of those to do as well so looking forward well, column, to uh, these listener leagues i mean there is an opportunity to draft against the avalanche oh there is Go yeah. hyper fragile uh, you're going to get really wiped out if you do that but you're going to get some good running back prices these drafts last year were pretty much you know people were saying what are these drafts they are you know bizarre why are all these wide receivers going early well little did people know that we were just you know setting up adp for 2023 <laughs> over over so we'll see what happens here maybe we'll get no running backs through the the first four rounds in this draft we'll see what happens but it's it's going to be fun but 
We won't give away everything that's in Sean's piece today. We've talked through quite a bit of it, but it is up on rotaviz.com. I will have the link in today's show notes. Sean has mentioned that part two will also be available shortly, so make sure you check that out. Sean, as we close up here, our Wednesday edition, anything left to share with the listeners? Obviously, I will give a plug as well. Sean and Peter Overzet, depending on when you're listening to this show, will be drafting over on his YouTube channel live. It'll also be up on the Road of His Baseball podcast feed, usually Wednesday evening, but maybe Thursday morning, depending on when it, it goes live. But you can check that out over on Pete's YouTube channel as Sean and him draft in BBM4. But Sean, any final thoughts to close out here? Yeah, just that it's been so fun to do these shows with you. It's been fun to start the show with Pete. If you can subscribe over there, I'd really appreciate that. And as we do those drafts, if you get excited about it, the underdog code for a 100% deposit match up to $100 is Rotoviz. So that one pretty easy to remember. I always like that. Colin, the other element here is just, you know, as <laughs> prices seem to always rise, we have not had kind of our normal jump this year yet, and that is coming. And so if anyone is wanting to get the best value, that will be available over there on the site. Go ahead and use that RV Radio 2023 for 10% off your one-year subscription. Now, it'll not be only best value, but also a 10% discount on top of it. 10% discount on top of the good price, the later in the summer price. It'll be a little bit more. It'll still be a, a good It'll value. still be very much worth it, but it'll be a little bit more than it is now. But obviously, inflation, everything has uh, has to go up at some point. So check that out. Once again, that code is RV Radio 2023 three we are in 2023 we're almost halfway through the year sean and uh, we are halfway through and i'm still getting tongue-tied sometimes on on the promo code for which year it is but that is going to get us to the end of today's show my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter add over to martin my co-host as always is sean siegel check out all of sean's work up on rotaviz.com and until we are back on friday have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.